feelings. The Bible says we don't walk, we walk by faith and not by sight. And I love to feel the presence of God more than anything in this world. But there's times it's dry and I don't, but it doesn't stop me from reading. Doesn't stop me from praying. Doesn't stop me from saying, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. And like Brian said, faith is what we got to have. Real faith trusts God when things don't feel good. Real faith trusts God when things don't look good. Real faith says, I'm going to serve the Lord. If he never does anything else for me, I'm going to live for him. Real faith says you can throw me into the burning fiery furnace, but I'm not going to back up or back down or turn my back on my Lord because he's been too good to me. That's real faith. Amen. And that your real real faith will bring you through the fire. It'll bring you through your problems. Amen. We again we don't walk by what we see. We live by faith. Amen. Not by sight, by faith. I'm so glad if I live by the things I saw, the things I experienced, the things I encountered all this Christian life, I'd been gone a long time ago. We all would because we've all had things happen, experiences, things, trouble, problems, and it's easy to walk off. Let me tell you, it's easy to walk off in the midst of trouble. That's, that's easy. It's harder to stand by faith. It's harder to stand and look the devil in the face when he's ridiculed you, you've messed up, or somebody else has messed up. It's hard to stand and say, I'm going to serve you, Lord, no matter what's gone on. That's real faith. That's real Bible faith. Uh, the Lord don't throw you away when you mess up. He don't kick you out when you sin. He stands waiting and ready every time we mess up to just to hear us say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord, and he puts it behind him, and he wants to put it behind you and take you forward. Amen. So don't let the devil try to hold anything over your head because the past is gone. Now, I don't care if it was today, yesterday, last year, last week. If you ask God to forgive you, it's over with and it's gone. Amen. People may not forgive you, but the Lord will. People won't let go of things, but God will. I was just reading in the Bible just before church, Second uh, Corinthians, I think it was verse uh, chapter two, verse one, or verse uh, chapter one, verse two, where Paul said that um, he said, "To whom you have forgiven," speaking of the man that had the issue going on in the church with that the sexual immorality, he said, "To whom you have forgiven, I also have forgiven. Also, lest Satan should get an advantage of us." You know, unforgiveness opens the door for the devil to get an advantage on you. It does. And Paul said, we're not, a, we're not ignorant of his devices. Unforgiveness is a device of Satan to try to hold you in bondage, to try to get you, to try to destroy your faith, my faith. So you've got to always keep your heart clean and say, Lord, help me to let things go with people and go on. Amen. Some people are not going to accept your apology. Some people won't, they won't accept you saying, I'm sorry. And, but it's not up to you to make people do that. It's, it's our part to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive from, on, from my behalf, on my part. That way, I'm not in bondage to them. And if they don't want to accept it, then that's on them. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in church tonight. Glad y'all are here tonight. Amen. For those who are watching through the internet, we're glad to have you. Thank you, my left. I got me a new phone. 
Whew, that's pretty. I like this. Oh, look at that baby on there. Look at her. Look at that sweet thing. Oh. But we're going to take up the offering, so we want to say thank you to those who help helping us. And happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Hope you get plenty of uh, food tomorrow. Turkey, chicken, uh, ham, whatever it is. But... Um, it's it, it's it's thank we got a lot to be thankful for not just one day of the year every single day amen this is the time of the year we you know set aside to celebrate and most of the world don't even know what thanksgiving really is they ain't got it you unless you're born again you don't even know what being thankful is and so we're thankful tonight that we're saved and we're on our way to heaven amen devil can't do me no harm amen he tries but he can't win Amen. Let's pray and take up the offering. Lord, we ask you to bless the offering tonight. We ask you that you would move in the service tonight, God, that you would touch the people that came, that you would move through the camera tonight, that you would just begin to bless your people, God, that you would bless those who give, that you would meet their financial needs, God, their spiritual needs, their emotional needs, whatever it is physically, healing in the body, whatever people need, God, you are everything that we need and we ask you to have your way tonight we ask you to continue to move and touch and bless us lord in jesus name amen you don't have to worry and don't you be afraid joy comes in the morning troubles they don't last always for there's a friend in Jesus who will wipe your tears away. And if your heart is broken, just lift your hands and say, Oh, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my Jesus, I can make it. With him I know I can stand. And no matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. So when your tests and trials, they may seem to get you down. And all your friends and loved ones, they are nowhere to be found. Oh, there's a friend in Jesus who will wipe your tears away. And if your heart is broken, just lift your head and say, Oh, I know that I can make it. Oh, I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. With Jesus, I can make it. Oh, with him, I know I can stand. And no matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. And he gives us peace. Peace, such wonderful peace.
Get so out of hand, but then I am reminded I've never been forsaken, and I never had to stand one test alone. When I look at all my victories, and the spirit rises up in me, and it's through the fire my weakness is made strong. He never promised. The cross would not get heavy, and the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered our victory without fighting, but he said help would always come in time. So just remember when you're standing in the valley of 
says give in don't argue back with him just hold on amen just hold on because he's going to show up and take us through the fire again praise the Lord I tell you you can feel the anointing all in that mm. I tell you it's a powerful song I remember one time a little something a little side there was a lady that used to go to this church years ago she had a problem with that song I don't know why she said, that song's just not biblical. That's just a, that's a works uh, song. I was like, what? Are you crazy? That's, that's just not true. Uh, what, you know, that, that theology's not right in that song, basically, is what she was saying. I thought, no, that theology is perfectly right. He never promised that it wouldn't get heavy and that, that the hill would not be hard to climb. He didn't, but he said he did say that help would always come in time, and I, I, I never forgotten that. I don't know why I don't try to remember things, but I just never had forgotten that. And I thought, where do people get their theology from? You know, to think that and it's something that God is in that is so anointed. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to share this video right now. Going to Colossians, chapter two, but the point was. The song is theologically right, and uh, people are messed up because they listen to all kind of stuff. We'll get into some of that tonight in the Word. We're going back to Colossians chapter 2 tonight. There we go. Now I got it. Colossians chapter 2. We've been making some progress through it now. All right, got this. Colossians. Chapter 2, verse 4, so we're going to start reading that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 4. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit. Joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men 
after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for your spirit that we sense. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing that breaks the yoke, that tears down strongholds, that breaks those chains. Lord, I pray tonight for every person here, those watching, Lord, those that we forgot to mention that are sick, dealing with sickness, Lord. You know who they are, and you know what they're dealing with. So I pray, God, that you would touch them that you would give them strength in their physical bodies, that you would continue to work miracles. In the midst of this famine that we see taking place in our land, Lord, you are working. You're doing things. You're healing people. You're saving people. Lord, you're doing things. And Lord, help us to see this. And Lord, we want to see more of it. We want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. You promised that you would do it. And Lord, we're not... We're not chasing that we're following you but we're looking for the signs wonders and the miracles that follow those who believe so lord heal those sick bodies of those watching tonight who need healing save those that need to be saved deliver those that are in bondage those that are oppressed of the devil tonight wherever they are touch them and set them free lord and god we thank you for everything you've done and everything you're going to do, in Jesus' name, amen. You might turn me up a little bit. I'm struggling with my voice. I got over one sickness, and I got sinus issues going on now, but I'm going to make it. Amen. amen. Colossians chapter 2, this sickness stuff's been going around, virus and stuff all over the place, and we've had some people at church, you know, had it. We had it last week, and some other people have had it. Others have it and dealing with it and getting through it. So pray for people that uh, this stuff will pass on by and we can all be healthy and holy men and come to church together and smack the devil upside the head. Amen. Let me get me a drink of water before I start again. Robert, it's good to see you again tonight too. You know you're not a visitor anymore now, don't you? <clears throat> Your name's on the road. That's <laughs> good to see you, brother. Colossians chapter... I, I'd say something about him for a second. He may not, not want me to, but uh, you know... Uh, we, I met him, we didn't really meet him, but a couple of years ago at the YMCA. They were going and working out, him and another boy. They were going in there two or three days a week, whatever, faithfully. I, every time I was there, I'd see them. and I would notice them from time to time, you know, working out and stuff. And I always kind of, I don't know, I just had a little attraction to him, you know, looking at him just like, you know, I, I felt like the Lord was doing something with him. I didn't really know anything about him, didn't really know anything. But I think one day I... And the Lord, I felt like I should talk to him one, one time, and I let it go, let it go, and just kind of wait for the right moment. I think one day I did I come to you, and we met up someone. We started talking, talking about the Lord and the things of God, and, and he's got a powerful testimony of what the Lord's done in his life. And uh, I didn't, uh, didn't think or ever think he would end up coming to church here, but I'm glad, we're glad that you're here, Robert. And if you, you know, however much you come, we're glad to have you. And he's got a great, great testimony of what the Lord's brought him through. And there's a whole lot of people out there, you know, that uh, you don't know what the Lord's done in them and where they'd be if the Lord hadn't got a hold of them. I'm one. If God hadn't stepped in and got a hold of us, where would we be? 
but I'm thankful for his testimony. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 4 says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Talk about deception tonight. Deception. Beguiling words. How Satan tries to lure the child of God away from the truth of the gospel. This this is a big problem in the church world. It's bigger than most Christians know. The number of people who are deceived by something that is false is staggering. The number of people that believe stuff that's not that's not biblically right just because a big name preacher says something or somebody who's well known or maybe on television just because they say it doesn't mean it's right just because they read from a bible doesn't mean that what they're saying is really scripturally right and this issue that Paul was addressing here this this is really um why he wrote this because this this newly founded church that was established upon the truth of the gospel these these believe they these people truly had given their hearts to Jesus Christ they heard the gospel preached more than likely from this young minister Epaphras and they were uh they were established so to speak in on the right path when they got saved all all they all you got to do to get on the right track to get on to get right with God and start living right is just open your heart up, repent of your sins, and ask Jesus to come into your life. Believe that He died on the cross for you, shed His blood. He was crucified, buried, and raised up three days later for you and me that we can have salvation and we can be made free from sin. That's all you have to believe to be saved. These people heard that. So they were established in the right doctrine in salvation. But at some point in time, false teaching began to come into the church, began to come into this area. And it was it was uh, called Gnosticism. People who claimed that they had a uh, higher knowledge than you know that ordinary average you know Christian or whatever, and and they uh, claimed that they had these revelations. But the, the the problem was that their revelations were not taking the people to Jesus Christ. It was taking them away from Jesus Christ. They were focusing upon angels making more of angels than what the Bible says. Look, I believe in angels. I believe, but look, I don't know where they are. I don't tell them where to go. You don't tell them where to go, when to go. Only the Lord himself gives command and charge to angels. Have there been times when God sent an angel to step in for us? I absolutely believe that he has at times. But at times you probably didn't know about it. And so the, the angels are biblical. They are right, but, but we don't worship angels. We worship Jesus Christ because angels didn't die for us. Jesus did. Angels don't lead us from day to day. The Holy Spirit leads us. And, and, and they started 
bringing false teaching into the church and getting these believers to put their faith in other things to get them to leave that foundation that was laid, which was Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so these problems only intensified. They only got worse to the point to where this young man started praying and asking God what to do because he didn't quite know how to handle all this stuff. I mean, he, he, he looks out at his church that he has started. And he's a pastor and he's established these people, man. He's seen them saved, seen them set free, but now he sees that their, 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 their lives are troubled and they come to him and say, hey, you know, the brother so-and-so over there said that, that you know, that... Uh, we, we, you know, the, the gospel, the cross and everything, that's all good, you know, but we, we also have to keep feast days and we also have to keep fast days and, and we have to, you know, go to church on Saturday. Or we, or we, we have to be baptized in water a certain way or, or we have to have a certain knowledge. And what they do is they start taking away from the simplicity of the gospel. And then people start shifting their faith. And you see, Paul knew what would happen if they did this. He knew because he'd already been there. And because Epaphras didn't know what to do, I believe he started praying, and it was the Lord that told him, you go see Paul. He knows what to do. He knows what to tell you. He knows what to tell your church. And the result was that he would go see Paul, he would tell him about the church, tell him about these, these new believers, but then he would get, begin to explain to him about all these problems that were coming into his church that started bringing division in the church. And so Paul, being the man that he was, I have no doubt that he didn't go to the Lord and pray and said, Lord, what do you want me to give him? How do you want me to help him? How do you want to address these issues that are going on in his church? And the Lord said, start writing. The Lord said, you listen to me and you start writing. And look, this is the result. The book of Colossians, it was birth out of trouble. Imagine that. The word of God given for correction because people were getting off track. And so he... He opened the book up by praising God for salvation, praising God for this, these new believers and thanking God that they had been, that they had been uh, introduced to Jesus Christ and he was thankful for that and gave God all the praise for it. But then he didn't waste much time getting into dealing with the issues at hand. And he began to tell them and correct them. And, you know, he said things like, listen, Jesus Christ is preeminent in all things. It's really all about Him. It's not about your church. It's not about who has the most knowledge. It's not about water baptism. It's not about feast days and fast days and what kind of foods you eat or what kind of foods you don't eat. It's all about Jesus Christ because it's through Him that you have salvation. It's through Him that you're here tonight delivered from the powers of darkness. It's all about Him and nothing else because He knew this. And in chapter 2, when he opened, I read some of it last week, he, he told them what greater conflict he had for them. 
And for all those that had not seen his face in the flesh, he says, I've went through a lot of conflict to give the word of God to people. And he's, in essence, given them the answer to these, to these problems. And in verse 4 again, he said, This I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. He wants them to understand. Notice he didn't say, lest any devil entice you. He said, lest any man. You know why? Because Satan's greatest agents are human beings. Listen, men, not the kind you think, not the one running the pub and the bar room, the one who has a large congregation, some of the ones who have their own television, some of the ones who on the outward look like they got everything going in the church. But what are they preaching? What are they telling to those Christians who are having problems with sin, to those Christians that are in struggling with things that the devil is trying to use to destroy them, what are these preachers giving to these people? If it's anything other than what Jesus did on the cross, they're being deceiving. He said, lest, this I say, lest any man beguile you. The word beguile speaks of deception or to mislead someone. And it doesn't matter whether it's purposely or it's not purposely. Deception is deception. A wrong way is a wrong way. And you can't, you can't forgive someone for, you know, leading somebody a wrong way just because you think, well, they just don't know. It doesn't matter whether they know or not. If they're misleading somebody, error is error, and you can't listen to or follow somebody that is misleading somebody just because you think they don't know. A lot of people, they do know. But he said, this I say, lest any man beguile you with what? Enticing words. The word enticing speaks of persuasive speech. You know, the devil is really persuasive. He uses people in a persuasive way to cause God's children to believe stuff that Scripture openly condemns, openly shows as wrong. You know, I made a post on Facebook the other day about alcohol. (laughs) Boy, you want to get the church stirred up? You want to get some Christians stirred up? Just talk about alcohol and their music. Alcohol. Jesus Christ did not turn water into alcoholic wine to get people drunk. He did not. Because if he had done that, number one, he would have been breaking God's law. Because if you go back to the Old Testament and you read, look, the priests and kings were forbidden to touch alcohol, they were forbidden to drink it because the scripture said it could pervert their judgment. What does alcohol do, church? What did half the trouble I got into when I was a heathen was related to alcohol? You don't think right, you act stupid, you do stupid stuff, you do dangerous stuff, you harm people, you hurt people. 
And I won't tell you anybody that says, well, you, you proved to me that that was alcoholic. You got a problem. You got a problem. You just want to drink. That's your problem. I don't need proof. I got it in the Word. Jesus Christ didn't get people drunk. He didn't endorse destroying families. It, the word wine, it, the, the word wine, this is where people get messed up because the word wine, it has different definitions. And most of the time, well, all the time, when it speaks of wine in a negative context, it's usually because it's speaking of alcoholic, fermented wine, or the Bible calls some of it also strong drink. And when it's used as wine, it speaks of the juice of the grapes, grape juice, the fruit of the vine. And also, what is alcohol is symbolic of leaven, corruption. So you're telling me that my Jesus, your Jesus, was promoting corruption and sin and decay. No, he wasn't. He simply performed that miracle to show those people that he can change anything. He can change anything. He turned the water into the drink that they needed because they run out. And there's so many more scriptures, but you see, if you listen, preachers, you preachers, if you're a preacher watching me, I hope you can listen long enough to hear this. You're going to stand before God and you're going to have to answer for telling people it's okay to drink. You're going to have blood on your hands. Oh, moderation. My, my foot. I started in moderation. How about some of y'all? I didn't start out drinking a case. I didn't start out drinking a six-pack. A little bit here and a little bit there. Moderation nearly killed me. And we're, we're teetotalers here. We believe you leave it alone. Stay away from it. Don't promote it. Don't drink it. Don't give it to people. Stay away from it. Because it destroys so many people's lives. And why would you want to promote something that destroys so many people's lives? But you see, if not careful... If you listen to other Christians and even some preachers, they will try to persuade you to believe that the Scripture supports alcohol, but it doesn't. It absolutely does not. It condemns it. Read the Proverbs. It's very strong in Proverbs. And if you just use some common sense... And logic, you wouldn't even, you'd have to think about it. I say that because I came from years of drinking. Some of you did. You know what it did to you. What kind of person would I be if I told somebody to go do something that nearly destroyed me? Have a little bit. What, what happens when the little bit turns into more? And let me just ask you this. Why do you drink? Why are, why are you drinking? Look at me through the camera. Why do you drink? Tell me why you drink. You mean you you just drink just to have a little sip? No, you drink 
because you want to alter your mind. You want to alter the way you feel. Come on, see, that's a substitute for the Holy Ghost. I don't need a substitute. I got the real thing. You don't need a substitute, praise God. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't need alcohol. I said, when you got Jesus, you don't need the world. When you got the Holy Ghost doing the comforting, you don't need the alcohol. You don't need the drugs. You don't need whatever. You just need Jesus. This is what, this is what the problem is. People are substituting Jesus for alcohol. They, they're, they're turning to all the things of the world, but these things never bring any peace. When you're finished drinking, and you're tired, you, you've been sick, and you feel awful, you're just right back to the same, right back where you started every time. It's a never-ending cycle, and there's only one person that can break it. It ain't Dr. Phil, it's Dr. Jesus. And the point, my point is, why do people, why do some of these Christians that, that promote drinking, why do you drink? You know why. And it's a sin. So just confess it. Ask God to forgive you and ask God to deliver you. Don't let anybody persuade you, Christian, to believe something that is contrary to the word of God. And if you open your heart up and you go to the Lord and you pray about it, I guarantee you he'll show you. If, you, if you're in between and you quite, well, I've heard this and I've heard that and I don't know, go to the Lord, get on your knees and you pray and you have an open heart and you say, Lord, show me the truth and I guarantee you, he will. He will. But that's the problem in the church. People don't, they don't go get on their knees themselves. They're just taking what somebody says. And this is, this is, this is kind of what Paul was addressing. You can't allow somebody through persuasive speech to cause you to go in a direction that's not right. Verse 5, he says, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order, and look the stead." fastness of your faith in Christ. There's the key. He says, I'm, I'm, though I'm not with you in the flesh, I'm with you in the spirit. I'm joying over you. I thank God for your, the way you've ordered your lifestyle by giving your life to Jesus Christ and the steadfastness of your faith. That speaks of their strength and their stability. You see, we get our strength and our stability from Jesus Christ. We don't get it from the world. We don't get it from drugs. We don't get it from alcohol. We don't get it from the things of the world. We get our strength and the stability that we need only from the power of the Holy Spirit, but it comes by us remaining attached to Jesus Christ. He said, I'm joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your look, faith in Christ. There it is. What's your faith in tonight? Ask yourself the question, what is my faith in? Who is my faith in? What am I, what am I trusting in? If your answer is anything except the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ, you're being taken away from the truth. Verse 6 says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, 
so walk ye in him. Now, let's stop here for a minute. How did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? How did you get saved? How did you get on the right track? You did it, what Brian said tonight, you did it by faith. Not just faith in anything. You surrendered your life to God. Remember when you surrendered and you gave up the day you got saved? You said, oh, Lord, I'm sick of my life. I'm tired of my misery. I'm tired of my bondage. I can't do this no more. I can't make it much further. Lord, Lord, I'm done. Lord, I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, Lord. I, I don't know what else to do, God. And at the very moment you threw yourself on the mercy of God you did it by faith you did it by faith look this ain't hard (laughs) our pride is what's hard our stubbornness is what's hard our ego is what's hard you by faith said Lord I ask you to come into my heart wherever it was however it was we might not all done it the same way but the truth is we all had to come by faith As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, there's where you start. So, walk ye in Him. You start like this, and you finish like this. You start with your faith in what Jesus did on the cross, and you end with your faith in what Jesus did on the cross. You can't ever get away from that. You can't move your faith from that to, to your good works or your church membership. You've got to put your faith there and you've got to keep it there because this is what the devil's coming to do. He's trying to pull your faith away from that. This church is a Jesus church. We're Jesus fanatics. I don't have anything else to preach to you but Jesus. He saved my soul. He set me free. He's blessed my family, blessed my wife, blessed my daughter, blessed our church, done all kind of things in my life. Everything he's ever done, he did it because I put my trust in him and him alone. I don't have to look to man for my help. I got a, I got a savior who helps me. I don't need to look to the world for my financial needs. I got a financial provider in heaven and he knows how to meet my needs. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, what do you do? You walk in, look, in him, not away from him, in him. So, you know, let me stop here for a minute. When you get saved, in case you don't know this, you gotta, you gotta hear this. Because a lot of Christians, they don't know this. I didn't know it when we first got saved, but I had to learn it. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, at that very moment, according to Romans chapter 6, you were baptized, not in the water, baptized spiritually speaking into the death of Jesus Christ, meaning his death was your death. His burial was your burial. You bury something you don't want to see again. The old man has been crucified with him, Paul said. And he said there's been a brand new man raised up to walk in newness of life. And it all happened because you, by faith, accepted him into your heart. And God said, okay, now I'm baptizing you into the death, 
burial, and resurrection of my son. I'm going to eliminate the old man. I'm going to raise up a brand new man, and I'm going to raise you up to not to walk away from me, but to stay right here in my son. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Jesus said, no more can you except you abide in me. He said, abide, abide there, stay there. What that means is you keep your faith in who he is, what he did, and look, every single thing you need is given to you. And look, it's there that you can be guarded from deception. It's there where you can learn the truth. It's there that when that persuasive voice comes trying to convince you to go another direction, that that real voice, the true voice is going to say, uh-uh, don't you go that direction. Don't you listen to that. As you received him, so walk. That's the way you live. It's the way we, it, that speaks of how we order our lifestyle every single day. So walk ye in him. And if you do, look at this. Here's what's coming. Rooted. You're going to be rooted. You ain't going to be plucked up every time something happens. You're going to be rooted. You ain't going to run off every time you have problems. You're going to get rooted. Come on, somebody. You ain't going to be wishy-washy. You're going to get rooted. Listen, if you stay planted in him by faith, there's no other way it can be. It's got to be what God's word says means that's going to happen. You're going to get rooted. Because it ain't you doing the rooting. It's the Holy Ghost doing the rooting. It's the Holy Spirit, the one that's doing the building. It's Him that's digging way down deep and planting us in Christ because He wants to build us. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to grow us. And so for that to happen, we got to stay in Christ. Rooted. It means to take root or to firmly fix. I want to be firmly fixed. I want to be so fixed in Jesus that nothing moves me. Nothing. No matter what the problem, no matter what sin, no matter what issue, no matter what tribulation, I want to be so firmly fixed that nothing moves me away from my position in Christ. That's what God wants for us. We're so easily moved because of our faith, it's not what it's supposed to be. There's Proverbs, I forget which one it was, it says, if, you, if thou faintest in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If you faint in the day of adversity when something serious happens, it says it's because your strength is small. Your strength ain't what you think it is. But you see, if you stay in Christ by faith and you let him do the work, you'll be really strong and you'll be able to handle it when things come your way and you won't run. You'll stay fixed. You'll stand firm because the Holy Spirit is going to be the one doing the work. 
And in your flesh, you might want to run. In your flesh, you might want to give up. But see, when you got somebody greater than you working deep down inside, he ain't going to just let you do that. He's helping. You remember the Holy Spirit, your helper? You remember the, one, the Holy Spirit, your guide? The, he's the one who walks alongside, who lives inside, who guards over us, helps us, strengthens us. He don't give up. He ain't weak. <laughs> he don't run when trouble comes. We do. Spirit of God, ain't re- he, he ain't want nobody to run. He wants you to stay firm. He wants us to be fixed, firmly fixed, rooted, and look, built up in him. Not in the church. I'm glad people come to the church. We want people to come to church. You need to be here. But coming to church doesn't build your spirit. It doesn't build your faith. It doesn't bring the change that God wants to bring. It's your faith in Jesus Christ, what he did that brings that. You're coming to church is a blessing. You're coming to church to hear the word of God. It touches you. It does help you. It does strengthen you. But the change that needs to take place, the stability that you need has to come from your relationship with Jesus Christ. Established in the faith. See, that's what we got to get. Established in the faith. The faith. When you see the term the faith throughout the New Testament, especially in Paul's writings, it's almost every single time referring to not just any kind of faith. It's faith in Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. The faith. That is the only faith that's going to get you through. He said, abounding therein with thanksgiving. The word abounding speaks of being in excess or to have more than enough. When I read that, I thought about that old song, Brother Bobby saying, he's more than enough to heal my disease. He's more than enough to wash sin out of me. He's more than enough to turn water to wine. He's more than enough to feed a family like mine. He's more than enough, says Jesus is more than enough. Abounding, more than enough. He is more than enough for us. He's the one that's going to get us through our trials. He's the one that's going to get you through your problems. He's the one that's going to fix the relationship. He's the one that's going to do the work. He's the one that's going to bring you the peace. He's the one that's going to make you strong. He's the one that's going to make you stable. But church, we got to let him. We got, we've, we've got a choice in this matter. We, our cho- we got a choice. We can choose to submit and surrender to him and let him, or we can still try to do things our own way, and that's what God's trying to break us from. You know, the Lord will be spending the rest of our lives on this earth. That's what God's going to be spending his time doing in us, breaking us from self, getting us away from trusting in me. Getting you away from trusting in somebody else. He wants your trust totally in him alone. He said, abounding therein with what? With, there's that word, thanksgiving. It's thanksgiving, ain't it? Thanksgiving. Abounding with 
thanksgiving, it means to be thankful, thankfulness and praise. You need to be thanking God every day and you need to praise God every single morning when you get up, before you go to work, whatever you're doing, you need to say, Lord, thank you for another day to be saved. Thank you that today I woke up this morning. I might have been some problems going on, but praise God, I'm still in my right mind. I still got peace inside. I'm still free from the powers of darkness. I thank you, Jesus. If you never do anything else, you've already done enough because you saved me and you delivered me from the power of the devil. So I just want to thank you today that it ain't about me, Lord. It's all about you, and we got to learn how to do it every single day thank you Lord for saving me just think about where you could be tonight if you weren't saved just think about what kind of life you could be living tomorrow wouldn't be Thanksgiving for most of us if we if we strayed and left the Lord be waking up with hangovers be messed up the, the, it wouldn't be about Thanksgiving. It would be about getting together and having a party, drinking. That's where we could be. That's where anybody can be if they get away from the Lord. I don't want to get away from him. I want to stay firmly fixed. Satan is going to try to move us. He's going to try to move you away. And he's going to do it in a subtle way. He's going to try to use false teaching. He's going to try to use stuff that has truth mixed in with it, but also lies mixed in. And that's what you got to watch, the leaven. He said in verse 8, I'm just about done, beware lest any man, there it is again, any man, any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Don't allow any man. Well, how in the world does that apply to our day and time? I've already told you, but I'll say it again. Just because it looks like God doesn't mean it is. Just because it sounds like gospel doesn't mean it is. Just because they got a three-piece suit, carry a Bible, just because this or that, you need to judge what you hear according to the word. If more Christians would judge what they hear and compare it to this, the church would be a whole lot better off. I'm not talking about judging people's heart and condemning everybody to hell that's not got things the way they should have. But you can't, you and I, we got a right to judge doctrine. You're supposed to judge what you hear. If it's right, what do you do? You accept it. You believe it. You put it into practice. You, you let, it, let it be a blessing to you. But if it's wrong, you shun it. You stay away from it because what you believe will determine how you live. Not what you do. What you believe will determine how you live. So he said it's after a, a philosophy and vain deceit. doesn't matter how good it sounds how philosophical a person can be. It can still be, it can be nothing but vain deceit, empty nothings. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Basically, it's this. If it's not 
of Christ, if it's not biblical, if it's not from the Word of God, it's basically from the system of the world. And the world's system is devilish, the Bible says. The world's wisdom is devilish. The world don't know how to handle their problems. The world can't change themselves. The world don't know what to do with the issues that we're facing today. But see, we know what to do. We take them to Jesus. We nail them to the cross, praise God. And we trust in him. And as we keep our eyes on him, keep our faith in him, we continue to be rooted. We continue to be built. Look, again, this is a guard against deception. The truth is your best defense against a lie. The truth, knowing the truth. They said that the the way that most bankers, I don't know how true it is or if it was years ago or up to date now, but that most bankers know they can they know the difference between a true a real hundred dollar bill and a fake one because they say that they're so familiar with the real one. Did you get that? You're gonna have to get more familiar with this. You're gonna have to get into this a little more. You have to find out what it says because the more familiar you are with this, see, when something comes on TV, the radio, whatever, and, and it ain't right, you'll catch it. You'll catch it. And you say, oh, no, I ain't right. I ain't, ain't accepting that. It's not right. You're not being mean. You're not being better than somebody else. You're being biblical. And that's what God wants his people to do because if any body comes along and pulls you away from simple faith in what Jesus did at the cross, you can be deceived, you can go into error, then you can go into sin, and then you can go into a lifestyle that God brought you out of. And some things, some people, you can even go into things, some things you never even experienced before you were saved. It can happen. We don't want to happen. But praise God, we got a defense tonight, amen? Stand to your feet. We're going to close in prayer. Sunday morning, be here for church, amen? Turkey stuffed and all. But come to church Sunday morning, we're going to be here unless the trumpet sounds. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to go with us tonight, God, as we leave. We ask you to bless your word tonight. ask you to bless the people. I ask you to touch those, Lord, that are watching tonight. I pray that you've spoken to the hearts of people, Lord, that people's eyes would be open to the truth of your word. And, Lord, that we would not give in, that we would not listen to that which is against your word, but we would follow the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask you to go with us tonight. Protect us again. Touch all those that are sick, Lord. And, Lord, we pray that everybody has a blessed Thanksgiving holiday, Lord, until we come together Sunday morning. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you for the blood of Jesus that saves and sets us free. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Again, come back Sunday morning, be with us, and have church. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m.
Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee, 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423-444-0774.